Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris Smith. Hello. Right, Chris, so your first question I'm going to ask you, who's your favourite artist and what's the favourite song of that artist? Um, so my favourite artist is um, Michael Jackson, by far. Um, favourite song by Michael Jackson. Well, that's a tricky one. Um... <laughs> I'm gonna say. So he does one on Thriller, track nine, and it's called "Lady in My Life." Okay, that's the best one. Get the tricky question of the life first. Yeah, that's um, a tricky one. So for people who, also I've known you for years, but for people who don't know you, mm-hmm. who's Chris Smith? Uh, Chris Smith is um, uh, a fitness professional, I suppose. Um, I manage um, leisure clubs. Um, teach classes, personal train, I have a keen interest in property and development, and obsessed with music. Like I said, I've known you for years, uh, we got to know each other when I started the village hotel in Warsaw. Work experience. Yeah, um, you took me on as manager to be fair. What was it like running a, a leisure club back then? I know it's been like what, oh, say, wow. 10 years now. Um, so I left almost 10 years ago. So, running a leisure club back in, from 2004, up till uh, when I left Village, so what was that? 2014, I think it was, 2013. Um, the industry was a, a, a much different place when, when you started as work experience. Um, to say it was amazing would be, like, it doesn't even capture how good it was, in the sense of how good we had it. Um, there was a lot more pride running a leisure club was um, all about the fitness all about the members all about the community so we didn't have mobile phones I mean we did have mobile phones but we kept them in our lockers well some people did Um, but it wasn't as techy so you would book by either calling or speaking to people Mm -hmm. you would enter you get an allow you get a goodbye Um, you'd get group fitness classes pool sauna steam room and that was almost um cutting edge right then it was like luxury in effect whereas it's done a complete u-turn now so it's more about the pure gyms and the how cheap can you go but how much value can you offer so the the i suppose the working environment changed and the gym um and the fitness world changed massively do do you think technology's kind of i don't know not destroyed gyms but made the experience be different um, I think it's made it more accessible mm. for people because now everybody can do it because it's at your fingertips. I think it's taken the personality side out of it a little bit. So, whereas back then and maybe a little bit now, I was very much more ego driven. So it was about how many people you got in your classes and um, you know being seen on the gym floor and speaking to people, building friendships. Whereas now you go in and you put a pair of um, AirPods in your ears, and you just go in, and you don't speak to anyone. You do your workout, you take a couple of snaps, upload it, and then you go home. Yeah. So people used to come and spend hours and hours at at village, um, and it was a family, you know. Yeah. But now I see in out done, you know. It's... I think it was more sociable back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Like I said, people would come to the gym. And then stay, I don't know, have a coffee after all. We couldn't physically get them to leave. Yeah. Yeah, I think now, like you say, it's more, more in and out. Yeah. Actually, that's where your budget gym's coming to it. Like, people are in and out and 
chimchiff, let it yeah. get him got what you'll do and then go home. Yeah. Um, do you think it's changed for the good or the bad? Or um, maybe? There's definitely bits of both because it is more accessible now. And as long as people are being active and people are being healthy, that's ultimately what matters. Um, the working environment, I think, now is worse compared to then. Um, from a manager's point of view, I see there's a lot of stress on um, on the staff, you know, to deliver certain things. I think the actual fitness side, almost, and the joy of it's been taken out of the role a little bit, because now a personal trainer is classed as a cleaner, a pool tester, a a personal trainer. You teach classes, you empty bins, you top up blue roll, you do reception. Whereas previously, a personal trainer was on the gym floor, recruiting personal training. Um, my group fitness instructors was, again, the same. You would do it as part of a team ethic, but you, you wouldn't be stripped that far back on staff that you would be responsible for everything. So, whereas now, I think, um, the way businesses are run, they will take every single ounce of energy out of you to get their money, really. you. You know, it can be minimum wage or whatever. Um, and it's about maximising that time as opposed to maximising that person's skills. So I think it's changed then. Whereas previously, 2004, I think you came on board about 2006, maybe seven. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it was all about development. So you came on as work experience. Then it was get you on a zero hour contract. Then it was put you on Les Mills, then it was put you on spot cycling, then it was put you on a PT course. And every single person, whether it's work experience or anyone I've ever worked with, it's more about development. But now it's it's the other way around, really. I think more now it's a lot of people coming with the qualifications already because it's a lot easier to access them, but they don't necessarily have the experience. And like you gave me obviously the chance to get my experience stuff, obviously being on the gym floor and stuff. But you know, the problem is now you don't get that kind of gym floor experience because interactions not as much now uh, yeah. you know, where we we did we got like well, a couple of years before like I literally got straight into there to like work on the gym floor get to know people and yeah. I think that's a lot better whereas now people literally just pass course jump straight into the gym yeah. and it's it's it, negative in a way yeah and it's a shame really because I think we get missold this dream when you're on Instagram or Facebook and you know you've got a social media presence it's so easy for for the younger generation to pick up on, oh my God, this job looks absolutely amazing and I'm going to go and do this. But when you put them on the gym floor and you say, right, go and sell PT, they just run for the corner because they're not prepared, ready for that. I think at one point I had you guys doing questionnaires where you had to go and speak to people and find out five facts about that person and you would all have to complete between 10 and 20 of them a day where you would physically have to go and speak to I remember, and at some points, you ended up, I don't know about yourself, but you know, I ended up gaining lots of friends from that. So when I left Village, I probably left with two or 300 more friends than what I actually had when I started there, just because the members become a part of your family. So the communication side of things, and I think that gym interaction has um, completely died almost, yeah. I think I said the other day, somebody like, it's, not at the gym like it's not just there to train it's there for a social thing and you'll keep a lot of people there just for the the interaction like the banter mm-hmm. you know what I mean and the um, 
like you say, feel like a family kind of thing, and they feel like safe there, and they feel like it's like a positive place. Yeah. But whereas, if you're not got that interaction and stuff, people will happily leave because mm. even though they find somewhere that is more like that, or yeah. they don't feel them kind of feelings on them there. That's yeah. what people want really comfort as well as mm-hmm. somewhere good to train. So you strip all that back and you look at um, break it down a little bit, and you go back to you know the the earlier days. So now we're more aware of mental health we're more aware of racism we're more aware of sexism we're more aware of abuse and so as a nation as a country and as a a world we're more aware and more sensitive of of all these different subjects but when you go back then not that those issues wasn't there but because you had community and you had a sense of belonging and you had somewhere you could go and someone you could talk to it wasn't like, well, for us in that environment, that them topics wasn't, not a big deal, because they're always going to be a big deal, but it wasn't so much an issue because people had somewhere to go. And I think that's what, you know, sometimes I miss that side of it because I would have people talk to me about their mental health. I'll have people talk to me about something that's, some, something that's going on at work or at home and... We was almost like mini counsellors at the same time as well, but without counselling. So we never pointed them in a certain direction to say, you should do this, but we offered an ear to listen. So, and I don't know about yourself, but I would, I could give you a million stories of different people offloading and just, you know, doing a training session, but also wanting to talk to someone and they'd come away from that session feeling half as heavy as what they did when they walked in. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely that community thing. Like I said, we're trying to make you feel make people feel comfortable mm-hmm. and like I said I think last time last podcast it's not just these days not just there to work on physical health mental health as well you know what I mean yeah. like a gym is, is somewhere where people get released yeah. you know what I mean or a class or anything like that like they go there for the release mm-hmm. and for some people that's their only kind of get out or yeah. their time Yeah. so people use that yeah and I think like at some point in life I've, I've probably joked and and not been very nice about someone who goes to the gym twice a day or three times a day and spends every moment of their life there and as I've got older I tend to then think well why why are they there for so long and maybe you know they haven't got somewhere to be or someone to go on to or you know whatever and you take all these different reasons why and half the time they just want to they want someone to say hello to them they want someone to guide them they want someone to be there just as a person as a body Mm. not always like to offload on but you know, there's, there's certain people that I look back now and think, if we wasn't there at that time, what potentially, or what place could that person have been in? Mm. So, I think, I think well, obviously, well, let's let mention lockdown, because we're still kind of uh, on the borderline. It, yeah. I think um, definitely in lockdown, we saw that, because mm-hmm. how many people have been stuck in, and like with us, we're very sociable, yeah. part of the job, and how many people have been stuck in seeing the same faces or no face at all. Yeah. And then, Obviously, the gyms have opened and they've come back, and it's maybe not even to just come to the gym; it's just to see people, yeah. it's to talk to people, and they've missed that kind of interaction. It just shows how much of a big thing it is, not just for physical fitness. It doesn't really like to have mental, yeah. sociably, it's a big place, really. Oh yeah, it's had an effect. It's had an effect that at the start I didn't think we recognised actually just what was coming our way. Um, at the start, it was all oh, look at me in the garden, I'm having a drink, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then as the weeks went by, you sort of saw this turning 
in people. Whereas I think for myself and, and, and yourself as well, um, I was busy every day. Yeah. I couldn't have been any busy. You know, I was off up the reeking doing claims. I was on my Pelotons constantly. I was, I, I kitted out my whole gym. So it went from having a garage to an actual fully commercial gym. You know, it, 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 it went from crazy to crazier really. But then I'm looking in the sense that I suppose I've got that in me that I've got to be busy all the time. Yeah. And I recognize that very early on. And then also we just we both are naturally wanting to help people. So I open my gym up. Do you want to come round? Do you want to do this? Pay for the electric, that's it, you're done. I think it was like two pounds a session, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. And that money just went in a pot and it paid for equipment, it paid for new flooring, and we made sure it was COVID safe, we stripped it all back, cleaned it constantly, people came round, worked out. So I was lucky in the sense that I got to see people from afar, like yourself, say hello. Um, but ultimately, just keeping busy. And then you see the flip side of it, of how many people actually said, you know what, I'm actually struggling here. Which was quite nice to be able to pick up the phone and talk to people that I wouldn't necessarily always talk to. And the people that I did used to talk to that I couldn't in lockdown, pick the phone up just to check in to say, like, how are you? You know, have a little talk and yeah. So it was a mad time. Yeah, like even sitting in the, like, the on the gym floor, standing on the gym floor, and hearing like even some of the older generations talking, giving some of their stories and stuff, you miss that yeah. kind of thing, especially mm-hmm. lockdown stuff. Even not to hear them, yeah. you know I mean, and it's, like I said, some people haven't seen nobody at all, so I can't imagine how they was. Yeah. But because we were very sociable, to like see maybe the same three, four faces, family wise and stuff, mm-hmm. it was like horrible. Yeah. So I think mental health has obviously took a massive hit because of all this. Mm-hmm. And I think the next few years we'll see. Uh, a massive thing with that. Yeah. Um, obviously, we spoke about you working, obviously, you say commercial gyms. And obviously, you opened your own gym at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like, opening it and running it? Um, it's probably the best thing I've ever done, um, just from a family point of view, from a personal point of view, uh, from an ego point of view. Uh, definitely not from a financial point of view. I mean, we struggled every single day, but um, emotionally, we never struggled. Physically, we never struggled because we had health, well-being. We had we gained a huge family. Uh, we gained a daughter in the process. So I got to see my daughter every day. I got to spend time with my wife every day. We'd done what we loved every single day. So when you ask me about that, it's the best time of my life. Um, but at the same time, it was the hardest time of my life as well, financially. So when I look back at Evo Fit, um, it was just incredible. And to be honest, if that opportunity came around again, I would do it like in a in a in a snap. You know, I can't find um, a facility right now, but when I do, I would absolutely love to do that again. Um, yeah, it was just magical. So we opened at six thirty a.m. Sometimes six a.m. and it would go right through to like ten o'clock at night. We'd be there every day. I'd teach between twenty and twenty-six classes a week, um, and it, it just it was mental. Would you would you recommend if somebody thought about doing it? Would you recommend to them? Um, so previous to EvoFit, I had 14 years experience in in the sector in leisure and fitness. So you kind of have to have experience first before you go into it. But ultimately, 
just make sure you've got a sensible business partner that can give you financial advice. That's the biggest part. And it wasn't to do with the fitness, the finance part. That that was that was amazing. It was more to do with the building, the regulations, the contracts, the insurance, the public liability, the PPL, music license, you know, and it just comes from every angle to the point where it doesn't become enjoyable anymore. Um, and everyone wants a PC pie all the time. Mm, yeah. So yes, if you want to go for it, go for it. But yeah, speak to me first. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, the same with. I think I do a post for about personal training. Everyone thinks it's the best thing to do, or like I don't know, it's uh, the most beneficial. I don't know if it's money wise or you know feeling wise, but it's not as easy as it looks. I think mean, <laughs> the same with opening the gym as well. Like yeah, it probably looks sounds amazing yeah. and looks amazing. Be like, oh yes, great, I've got me on the gym, I won't. But it's the background stuff like you it's, yeah. it's hard long hours obviously everything that goes on there happens is down to you mm-hmm. and you've got to take responsibility for it all yeah and, and everybody's there. watching yeah of course and obviously now there's a lot of competition mm-hmm. but you can probably go down most streets most uh, local towns and there's three four five gyms mm-hmm. you walk a distance so yeah. it's not the easiest thing in the world is it like let's, no. <laughs> let's no. face it um obviously you did classes one day this spin um if I was probably asking most people who you are, they'd probably say you're spinking. Um, yeah. So, obviously, you're very big with spin, and most people you speak to, if you want to know anything about spin or group cycle, it's come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into spin originally? So, with a bit of a weird story is that um, yesterday I taught a class for the person who originally got me into spin, which was a bit crazy. So, Hayley O'Farrell, if you're listening. Um, Big shout out. So Hayley was the group fitness coordinator at Village Warsaw. I had done my level two at Warsaw College. From there, joined Village Warsaw. Uh, my leisure club manager at the time said, okay, we're gonna take you over to Village Dudley and we're gonna go and do a spin class because they've got a spin room there. Um, and it was on my top five things of what I would have wanted to integrate into Village Warsaw. So we didn't have a spin room at the start. It was just, um, like a almost like um a, a matted area where you would just do abs and you had one of them weird cradle ab yeah, cradle yeah, things cradles. that they had in the 90s so we had a couple of them there a couple of skipping ropes and, and me and my pal at the time and a very good friend of mine lee summers we used to learn to skip in that little area and we was like one day it'd be amazing to have a spin room here like this is the the new thing the new trend at the time was spinning so um the logical manager took us over to Village Dudley, we did a spin class and I literally, I don't know what happened, but it just blew my mind. It was just like, wow. And I think it was more to do with the fact that we went in, we did 30 minutes as they used to do then. 30 minutes, the tunes was going, the lights was going, the bikes was awesome and it just, I don't, it just something happened. And it gave me a sense of freedom as opposed to a couple of weeks before that I did um, body pump and body combat. So Les Mills and I was given a yeah. book and a DVD and you've got to say this at that point and you've got to do this at that point and you've got to do that at that point and you've got to do this and that and you've got to pay for monthly, quarterly fees and you've got to pay for this. And I was just like, okay, yeah, Les Mills amazing. And then I did this spin and it was like, you can play what you want, you can say what you want, you can move how you want, you're just having a great time on the bike. So I was like, hmm, okay being into my music I was like first class I just got on the bike and whatever happened I don't know it just it just it just happened I was like yes yeah. and I was spinning like when I actually you got me into spinning I kind of learnt off you um, but it was massive then 
It still is now. In some places, you go to the right place, it's a massive thing now. My classes are full now, 20 years later. But definitely, you know, like commercial gyms or bigger gyms, like it's, it's a massive thing. And mm-hmm. like I said, yeah, it's fully booked. And I can imagine now, now about lockdown, they're more fully booked classes again. Um, and people kind of live through it sometimes. Some people like only do spin. You know, yeah, we, we've, yeah, <laughs> we've had loads of people who live through it, and yeah. you're guaranteed they'll be the first people there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, you, so you did spin that long ago. Um, how can you carry it on? How come it wasn't somewhere else that took your, you took your fancy spin? Is it because it was like you could do your own thing, put your own thing to it? I think because I'm very ego driven and because I'm very. Um, What's a word? I'm hard to control in a sense that once I've made my mind up and I want to do something or once um, if someone gives me something to says you've got to do it this way. If I don't understand why I'm doing it that way, I won't do it because I just don't. I need to know why I'm doing something or what the benefits are or what the end goal is. So with spin, I get to be myself on the bike. I get to say what I want. I get to play the music that I feel is good and, and makes other people feel good. And I get to deliver a safe class that literally gets people um, energized, motivated. We release massive endorphins. They get off the bike, they feel amazing. They go on, they feel even more amazing. And the next day they wake up and they do it all again. So um, I don't ever rate myself as being, oh my God, is this amazing spinning instructor. It's definitely the music, and whenever someone says to me, "Oh my God, your your class is the best I've ever done," or you know, I'll get messages now. Um, I got a message actually yesterday from an old um, member from Village, two thousand four, two thousand five. Oh, Chris, just saw your post that you're teaching. Where are you teaching? I'm teaching it here, there, everywhere. Okay, I want to join there. I'm going to become a member just to do my class. I'm like, this is someone who I haven't spoke to in. 10 years you know and you're thinking well if you're still affecting people that longing like that like with gaps like that then you're doing something right but a lot of the time it's just the vibes it's just the music you know it's not it's not me it's what I play so and that's what encouraging people but you think about people flying in from America to come and team teach with me and you know you put 40 bikes into a studio and you absolutely shit yourself because you think man this is what am I doing? Is this going to work? And then you open the doors and it's full every single night you're thinking. And you get on that stage and you get on that bike and all these people are waiting for you to press play and you're like, it's just, it's a massive buzz. You look at the mice on board and you're thinking, oh my God, all these people are literally burning between 1,000 and 1,200 calories. All for what? You know, and you're thinking, I've got them off the sofa to come here, to work out, to feel good, and they go home and I think that's the buzz of of me continuing to do it I think and also people won't leave me alone and I'd love to stop teaching at some point because my knees are gone but ultimately um, as long as people still want to attend I'll I'll always teach I think it's good because you can put your own like you said personalities to it Um, whether it's like your own music or how you teach obviously we're all different Uh, we always do music and stuff and yeah, you can put your own personality to it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's enjoyable. Obviously, instead of just doing like your normal gym workout where you're probably bored and do the same thing, or some difference, and it gets that social thing because there's more people in there. Um, but it gets obviously good workout as well. And obviously, some people like prefer that kind of training than they do in the gym. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, I still get on the bike sometimes. I look at everyone in front of me, thinking like, 
all these people in me are going to do what I do. They're going to follow me. Yeah. It's dead weird. They literally do everything you say. I can scratch my head and, yeah. and I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just scratching my but, head. Um, it's good. Like, obviously, like, we enjoy teaching and they enjoy what we do. Yeah. Um, like I say, it's just weird sometimes still that I think we're actually teaching these people. We're trying to, we're basically getting them to do some kind of exercise and they're following us down to the tea. Yeah. And it's still mandatory. They are, their lives are in our hands yeah. for 45 minutes. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, so we have to be safe. But yeah, you just think, like, wow. But, you know, I, I taught um, a little workshop the other day in um, Derby and group fitness had them come back at this point. So we was allowed to do because it, it was training. But I'd got on the bike for the first time in, oh man, six months or whatever it was got on the bike for the first time apart from doing peloton and zoom but to actually be in front of people teaching and the nerves that came over me was just insane like i was in red on my mind i was on like track one just because i was just nervous about what they thought about me because i'd never met them before nervous about my fitness levels because i was like oh my god am i going to get through this i've not done this for how long but also as well what they what they will then take after that because ultimately it's not a course that there was on it was a workshop but i'm influencing them so am i doing it in the right way mm. so the nerves were just oh, crazy so i got on this bike i've done the class whack some wicked tunes on and you've seen each one of them at certain points in the class where the penny dropped and they just let go and they just had the best time there was one guy um oh man he was just i'll put this one track on and he just he lost it he was going absolutely crap he was he loved it and um i got off the bike and i said oh my god that's the best class i've ever done but inside i was dying absolutely dying i'm thinking i'm gonna pass out in a minute um and i thought that was the worst class i've ever done mm. and these guys was like oh my god that's the best class i've ever done and and it was just because i wasn't prepared i wasn't mentally really ready to get on that bike and smash it the way i did but when i got on there and i saw the faces going I just lost it as well. So it's good because it's that that positive energy that's going through the room and everyone was just, it was just mental. I think a lot of people say to me, oh, you must be like really fit to be able to do it. But so, most of the time I have to tell people, it's not me doing it for me. You push me, the members do. Yeah. Because so many times I get on the bike, I'm like, oh, I really don't do this. But yeah. because they're there, they mm -hmm. push you through it. And do you know what? Like half the time, if they wasn't there, I'd just give up. Yeah. I mean, it's they who push you. Yeah, and I think that's that's me all over. So a lot of my classes are like 6.30 in the morning and who wants to exercise really at 6.30 in the morning? You know, it's one of them things where who wants to get on the bike? I'm blasting the tunes like mega loud. So my one rule is never tell me to turn my music down. And to put the tunes on at 6.30 in the morning to see the class full and everyone is just so ready for it. And I'm just not ready for it. You know what I mean? I'm just not. But you get on the bike and within a second, instantly, you you're back in the zoo in the zone again you know you're just ready for it so yeah just yeah i know you've um you've taught spin with and probably for quite a i don't know famous or like well-known people mm -hmm. who's the best person you've ever taught with or for um i've taught for liam payne from one direction i've taught for oh god if you know you can feel yeah loads <laughs> um who would not get pissed off by me saying um ah uh, i don't know if i'm allowed to like say 
or whether they'd appreciate me telling you. Very famous. Very famous. Yeah, very famous. Yeah, very famous. Yeah. Would we say footballers, we... actors, pop stars. We say that you're more nervous doing stuff with them than your regular gym person. I get nervous, nervous when um, artists are in uh, when like pop stars are doing it, or whatever. So. So there was one where I played a song and I didn't know the person was in the room. And um, it was a village warsaw. And it was it's one of my favourite songs actually. And um, I'd play, in fact, it's not a favourite song. It was, I suppose, many, many years ago. Um, and I'm playing this song and I didn't realise the person was in the room. And it, the only reason why I didn't know, it's not because they're super, super famous. It's because they're a vocalist. So because it was a dance track and they were the people that sang that song. Yeah. And um, so I'm playing the song and whatever, and I can just see this person like not enjoying the track. And I'm thinking, how can you not enjoy this track? This track is like everybody loves this track. Like, what is wrong with you? So I'm thinking, I've done something wrong. So, being my normal self, I go over, say, is everything all right at the end of the class? How was it? Was you okay? And um, she said, yeah, yeah. She, and I, I said, oh, um, did I like piss you off? Or something like that, because you went completely like you went from being super happy and enjoying yourself to completely like shutting down on me. And um, she said, "Yeah, she said it's just every time I hear that song, it just you know I hear it like thousands of times, and it like does me in a little bit and and whatever." And I look back and I'm a bit cringe by, and I said, "Why would you be cringe by? Like it's wicked." Mm. And she was like, "That's me singing," and I was like. Oh, no way. So like, so that was a big, for me, I was like, that's one of my favourite songs. So it's mega. Mm. No way. I've never heard that story before. Actually. Good, yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. Years, I've never heard that story before. Um, I try to think, to be fair, I'd like, I'd say quite a few people who famous or stuff come, even when we work together and stuff, I think. And mm. Obviously, you still do now and that. Um, I do, to be fair, for myself, I do, I get more nervous oh, with your average person off the street or something famous you know what I mean it's still mm. nerve wracking even even now what we've been doing it like I've been here like 10 years you've been here longer even now like obviously after lockdown I've got my first last couple of weeks and I think I'll be nervous and they're doing it again like you said you was last week when it was you're still nervous now yeah. you get on the bike I get nervous if I know there's another instructor in the room yeah yeah I think we all do yeah like that's that's the biggest one for me I'm not, I'm not bothered about celebrities or whatever I'm more bothered about the fact that if there's an instructor in the room, they're judging me on what they deem good or bad. Mm. And we're all, we're all individual. So what you do and what I do will be very similar because we've almost grown up in spin, almost like together. Yeah. Whereas if I'm teaching a spin or indoor cycle or whatever you want to call it, and a big personality walks in, that's a really good instructor. I get almost like, Am I doing the right thing? Are they judging me about that? Or oh, what do they think about that? Is the mic working properly? Is my music too loud? And I just get like, I get all like sweaty because of thinking mm-hmm. what they're judging me basically. That's that's the only thing really for me. That And like, I love going to other people's spin classes. Absolutely love going to other, spe- other people's spin classes. But I know that when I turn up and I go to that class, they're teaching different because I'm in there. Mm, yeah. And that's I, I just want them to do a class. I just I go there to enjoy it and just to relax. 
I'm not there because I'm auditing someone or because of but how I feel when someone else walks in my class is how they feel. And then other people in the class will say, Jesus Christ, that was hard. Oh yeah, it's because you mean here. You know, that's why it's that's why they're acting like that. And I'm just like, oh I'll to part of class, not necessarily speed. I'll to part of class and I can now like the instructors kind of what like I don't know if you're worried or like just a bit nervous because I'm there. It's like I ain't bothered, you do it your way. It's a real difference. Yeah. Whether that's like how you teach or how you motivate people or whatever. Yeah. Even on the banter, like I said, we have banter with people, but some people don't do it that way. That's yeah. fine. And we're not there to like come out the nervous or anything. No. Vice versa, they're not there to make us nervous, but obviously, like you said, in the back of your mind, so it's that thing of like, yeah, yeah they're probably thinking that. But that's the same with um. That's the same with, I suppose, anything like that's like a mechanic going to another mechanic to fix a car. Yeah. Or like for me as a as a PT, like I look for and are looking right now for a PT that will train me. Mm. But to go to a PT as a PT and ask to be trained takes a lot of balls. Like yeah. to find someone, one who you think is good enough, but two also that isn't gonna judge you for being there. We all have our own journeys. And to get someone else to to ask someone else for training as a PT, or to have a or to be a personal trainer who's known for having a personal trainer, it doesn't make a lot of sense to people. But some people just need that like that motivation sometimes. Yeah, you're like a normal person, really. Even though yeah. you're a personal trainer, you're a normal person. Yeah. You might need motivation. Mm. Like, like you said, like we said before about teaching other people, they motivate us to teach us less sometimes. So you might need a trainer to motivate you. Yeah. Just because you're training yourself doesn't mean that like even mm. training with someone sometimes you don't see that people don't see training with a partner as motivation, but it is. Yeah. Because you train with someone, mm. you've chosen to do that instead of training your own. Yeah. So that other person might just be a little push you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the same for you. You, know, you might need somebody to give you that push, and that, that's fine. Yeah, and I think that's that. the difference with the whole who you teach, when you teach, what you teach how you teach you know it's just that whole how you judged on on certain things and yeah society's changed a little bit and i think to be a, a spin instructor or a group cycle instructor and to have someone in your class affects you but also as well it's on the other side around as well yeah well so obviously the fitness industry we touched on earlier like how it's changed and stuff why did you choose fitness in the first place why nothing else so or was there something else you yeah yeah i was doing um i was doing Oh, what was I doing? I was doing, um, I went from McDonald's to JD Sports. From JD Sports, I was at college doing art. Yeah, art. And I really wanted to go to university. I wanted to be the first person in my family to go to university. And I really enjoyed art and got to Warsaw College and hated art. Literally hated it. I feel like my, my, um, my teacher just literally zapped the life out of art. It was almost like it was, it was a weird one. So, I was there for half of the year. And while I was there, there was building this room and doing this thing as you walk in the stairs, you walk on the right hand side, there was this big room there and everyone's like, oh, it's gonna be this, gonna be that, it's gonna be a gym. And I was thinking, wow, I enjoy going to the gym. I go to the gym with a lot of my friends. Um, it's a bit of a happy place for me, I enjoy it. <clears throat> and then I saw that they were doing courses at, at, the, at the college. So I was like, hmm, okay. Didn't think anything of it really. Carry on doing this art course, and as as the gym started to open, you start to see people in there um, doing the fitness and stuff, and having a good time, having a laugh, and just seeing that they really enjoyed where they was, and it was a great place to be. Um, and then going into the art room, and 
not really doing art and you wasn't really allowed to express what you wanted to on the paper you had to do what what everybody else wanted you to do and I just thought you know what this ain't for me I need to be in that in that room there doing the gym got the got the um course sorted enrolled straight around the September did that um and just instantly absolutely loved it absolutely loved it from I suppose it depends on you as a person but for me having like little things that wasn't recognized or way later on in life such as like dyslexia or the way in which you learn I'm more hands-on I'm more kind of you you're not putting a book in front of me and saying mm. an instruction manual saying that's how you got to do it I'd rather just build it and just so I learn by doing and that was what the fitness was like level two was awesome like it's really really good and then also learning different things I just thought you just go to the gym I didn't realize you do exercise to music you have to do like um your weights and resistance you had to do anatomy and physiology so I learned about all the body parts I was just like whoa this is another world for me so I came out of there wanting to do something and just at the time that that happened village opened so it was just meant to be really hands in hand mm -hmm. it's um again like I said a lot of people get into the industry probably for the wrong reasons uh, like I said it's a good way to express yourself and I suppose I suppose in a way art and fitness kind of expression wise yeah go in together so I could see yeah, why yeah. you did that kind of thing mm -hmm. into that um, was there anything in your childhood that kind of maybe put your mind in towards fitness or anything like that or not yeah yeah massively so my uh, my parents are very um, old school English traditional my brothers are all very old school very black country so you know we lived on um, chips and fried foods and chip pans and um, you know my mum was a big smoker uh, we had lots of drink in the family it was more of a social aspect than it was a problem so it wasn't like oh you know drinking too much it was more of going to the pub because that's where the community was that's where yeah. the where their friends was so that's absolutely fine got brought up in like bingo walls and a pack of scratchings on the table you know all the good stuff and and when I look at that now I think oh yeah it is the good stuff because you when you get to do that it's like once in a blue moon if I you know if I come the last time I had a scratching or some uh, grey peas or whatever but when I look back and I look at the lifestyles I just didn't enjoy that lifestyle but there was a massive age gap between my mum, my dad and my brothers. Mm. So I think between me and my oldest brother's like 18 years. So they was old enough to be my parents really. Um, but yeah, it'd be like mixed grills, it'd be kebabs. And and it wasn't so much um, a family thing. It was a, a 90s thing, it was an 80s thing. It wasn't that it was them that they was doing anything wrong. It was just that lifestyle. And um, just being told every day that you'll end up like this one day and you'll have a gut like that one day. And I remember just chopping off the fat off my bacon and off my pork and not really wanting certain things. Um, and just wanting to be different, I think. And I always said, it was, for me, it was breaking the mold. So I ended up kind of changing it for my family. So as a youngster, this is, I'm saying this at like, 10 years old, 12 years old, 14 years old, wanting to do like something different, saying to my mom, you know, you need to stop smoking, saying to my dad, you need to drink more water, saying to my brothers, like, you know, 
you need to lose weight, whatever. And I think looking back, it was it must have been quite hurtful for them for me to say that. But it was just because I love them and they're my family and I, and I knew a better way. Um, got into skating, got into kickboxing, just anything active, never in the house. I was on the train to London, going on like skate ramps and yeah, just a bit of a wild child, yeah. Yeah, um, poor scratching, just for anybody who's not from around the black country, they're very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think as a lot of people say, I think I said this to Mel as well, like people against fitness stuff, there is something in the past that maybe kind of triggers in your mind. Mm. You probably don't think about the time, but triggers in your mind that like that's the kind of route you want to say. So yeah. for me, I didn't. So I never, none of my brothers or anything were into that. Those are more computers and stuff, and none of my family did. So I got into it like dead randomly. But a lot of people say there's something in there. Mm. stuff but I think that generation like you said we was a lot more active then mm. and like you said about being stuck in we you give us I don't know a ball or something we're going to play it we can yeah or something for hours days yeah. months like yeah. just a ball you Your know mates, like obviously like we'll call for you or something in your videos yeah. all day until the yeah. like, sun goes down or... but then that's how it's how the world's changed hasn't it yeah that's how the world as as you know. kids now obviously like it's it's obviously technology and tablets not mm. really you can pick something up and be on the internet within seconds or yeah. watch videos and stuff. It's at like the fingertips, isn't it? Yeah, Instantly. of course. Whilst that's a negative effect on health now, that's why yeah. obesity is starting to increase and stuff. Um, I think our generation was definitely a lot, le- there's a lot less obesity. Mm. Like I said to the other day, like food wise, you obviously, the old generation, our parents stuff, you used to cook a lot more, yeah. scratch and stuff, whereas we don't know. Yeah. And it's like fast food, like you said, we used to go chippy and stuff like that. You'd walk to a chippy? You'd walk to a chippy. No, we don't. You couldn't get a Just Eat or a <laughs> Uber Eats or, or a Uber Eats yeah. or. Yeah. Yeah. I can order it within minutes. If I hold one there, we'd have some three. Well, it tells you exactly what time it's going to be there, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it and that's that's the. Um, but then also, as well, like looking at, at that. So we'd go to school, you'd see him at the end of school or during school and say, I'll call for you at 5 pm. And they would be there at 5pm knocking that door. You know, and that was the, I'll meet you at the phone box at this time. Or, you know, I'll meet you on the, on at the footy, I'll meet you on the football pitch at that time. You know, it was just a totally different way of life. Or you would, you would wonder what your friend was up to. So you'd go and knock their door. When was the last time you went and just randomly knocked someone's door? Mm. If someone knocked your door now, we'd be like, what the fuck? Someone's knocking the door. Yeah. But my door was constantly being knocked, or someone was just letting herself in. It was just a. It, we had it lucky. I yeah. think we, I think we need to appreciate really more, and realise what we had as kids. You know, my mum would let me get on a train at twelve years old and go to London on my own with my friends to go and compete in a in a in a in a, com- a skating competition. Like if if my daughter said, "Now I'm going going on a train." At twelve does. years old to London, I'm like, no way are you going to try. I think we was in that generation where it kind of crossed over the two. We went from like old school where social media was never around, now, mm. or like Facebook was just coming into like being a thing. In now. yours, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, but we kind of crossed over then where we went from kind of no social media, nothing, and then we're now in a generation where it's like the biggest thing ever. I know, but you know now. So I think my first Facebook, well, my only Facebook account was created in 2007. Um, I remember having the iPhone 3GS or something, whatever it is, and I'm on 12 now. So yeah, so like iPhone, yeah, 2007. So you imagine at that point 
we had this new crazy thing that was like social media oh my god this is amazing to put in like shit pictures on that you didn't care that didn't have a filter on and you'd just be like drunk in like a nightclub or pics of being sick or you know whatever it was just it was fun it was fun it wasn't oh my god I've got to put a filter on it oh my god I can't check in there because someone else might see me or oh what if I put that on and people are going to judge me for that picture what's the angle like I've got to suck my belly in there I've got to do this is the lighting right so you, you go through all these emotions now so you imagine it's gone from being something new and exciting to being something there that's destroying people's lives through control our lives as well you know, yeah controls. it controls our lives basically like all that it, 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 like you said we would just take a picture mm. don't know where it was we've been out last times and yeah. like I'll make it next day like those random pictures and stuff but yeah. there it's like you've got to do that but you can't now, get nice out of there doing that I wouldn't dream of taking my cam my phone out now and taking a photo with someone without either asking them or if I took the photo I feel like I have to show them the photo yeah yeah to make sure they approve of that photo before it goes onto my phone in case I decide to post it or if I post it, I feel like I need to tell you first, or tag you in, or, you know, it's very, yeah. Do you know the thing I don't get these days, where when we used to go out, and like say clubbing or whatever, and you just go out and enjoy it, yeah. like music, drinks, whatever. Yeah. No, you have to record it. Yeah. Why well, so does everyone have to record everything? Yeah, yeah. Like this year, you're in the club dancing. You have to and do you know what, actually, you saying that, one of my, one of my last memories of actually going out and not caring and not, really being on a phone and whatever it's probably when me you and Dave went out yeah and maybe Sam Jordan we went to um to VS1 yeah. you probably even can't remember that night because we do it so we, you know it was just it was a Dave random night what? Go. yeah well it does <laughs> yeah so you imagine like yeah and you just go out and not not care and like previously um, a, a friend of mine we'd I'd, we'd go off and we'd have a no phone policy and um, I'd have to say to like my wife oh you know I'm going out it's no phone so we'd, and we'd leave our phones and that was like going back probably five years ago because at that point we identified okay look we might have a spending time with each other and gonna have a good time or we're gonna spend all night on our phones yeah but teenagers now when they where they when they go out in the future it's gonna be sat on their phones and but you're somewhere else aren't you if you're on your phone you're somewhere else you're not there well it's like that's taking your part isn't it you know what I mean you say like obviously socialising with your mates or whatever mm. or having a good time you're more bothered about that mm. or worried about like say, the next picture you're going to take yeah. you're like oh it's going to be my place I'm like why mm. you mean enjoy the time you know and stuff like, especially like what's happened the last year enjoy your time out yeah. you know what I mean we've been stuck in for like a year now yeah. no one ever knew it was going to happen but enjoy your time why waste it you know yeah. what I mean talking about going out don't think music's changed so much in the last couple of generations yeah, so like I, I really have to do my research about where I'm going. Yeah. So like I will only go now to like a club classics night, a garage night, an eighties or nineties night. I wouldn't just sporadically turn up to a nightclub now, mm. because if I turn up to a nightclub and I start playing like music, I suppose that people of that time enjoy, and I'm not listening to that. I'm not going to enjoy my night because it's all about the music and the company. So, and my age group's probably between 30 and 50, I suppose now. Oh man, that's mad. Between 30 and 50. So, we have to be selective. And also, I'm probably, I would absolutely love a night out now where you just get completely wasted and, and not worry about anything. 
but I'm more into bars as opposed to yeah. and a club now, which is weird because you changed for your life, and I never thought I'd say that. But I can't remember the last time I got drunk. I'll tell you a funny story actually. Last time I went to WS1 was really it. This was before lockdown, a few years back now. And also it changed to, what if it was religion, religion. which is now, I think. And I went in there with my mate. And uh, we was in the, it was like, oh, so it used to be three floors when we used to go, yeah? Yeah. It's now two. So we were on the second floor, which used to be the middle floor back then. And these songs are coming on, and we ain't got a clue what these songs were. And honestly, because you tell the average age, was like a lot younger than us. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a song came on, and we knew it, like every single word. But everyone around us everyone was like, what the hell's going <laughs> yeah. on? Like, what is, like, what is this? This is mad. Yeah. Like, which has changed. And I think, like, in years to come, I couldn't imagine what kind of music it'll be. Yeah. Like, I don't know, trans music or, like, electro or, I don't know, mate. It's I just can't imagine what it'll be like. But yeah. it shows how much the generation changed and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, and... I think also as well, like, so I, I like Radio 1. I put Radio 1 on and listen to it all the time. And oh, it'll be on. And, and I'm not bothered about what the type of music is or the person that's singing it. But I'm noticing, I'm judging the song quite a lot now in regards to the person will be singing about having a million pound in the bank or, um, or about the fact that they're a gangster or the fact that they're seeing all these goals and whatever. And you know that person's fully lying. It's They're fully lying, they're not. And in a year's time, you're not gonna ever have heard anything off them ever again. I think artists have completely changed in the sense that, you know, when you was an artist previously, I suppose 80s, 90s, early 2000s, they was there, there was about for a long time. If you go back to like Bon Jovi's and Guns N' Roses and Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, the left legacies behind. Whereas now, you got like MCs, you got DJs, and they come and they go as quick as. So when I listen to music now, I listen to more about what they're saying and what they're about, as opposed to whether it's a good tune or not. Yeah. So if I think they're full on lighting, I'm just like, this is shit, turn it over. Yeah. Whereas if I think it's got sustainability and it's actually a good tune and it's got rhythm and I enjoy it, then yeah. But if it's got no point or relevance to me, I turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Just think... the odd random ones. I think there's one now that's number one in the charts and I absolutely love it because it's just like, it's mega. But ultimately, it's quite dancey. Mm. But if someone's just chatting shit, I'm just like, whatever. But in the 90s, I loved that. I was the biggest Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre fan ever. You know, I was there with 50 and when all them people came through and I was just like, and I believed every word and I thought I was having them at one point. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But now I look back and I'm like, okay, but then those laid foundations and they're still around today Mm. and they're still millionaires now and they're still doing what they've always done. Whereas you got like your rappers and your MCs and whatever now that are just... Anybody can do that, can't they? Anybody. But one song goes viral somewhere. And you yeah. can be a star, basically. Mm. I'll tell you the funniest thing, the one day where I work now, um, a lot of my staff are quite young, and uh, the one day, I can't remember who I was talking to, and we was on about songs from back then. And do you know, this person I got a clue. Yeah. Not a clue. Mm. About any of the songs. I was like, yeah. this is mad. Yeah. I get quite insulted by it, I do. So I'm like, how do you not know that person? Do you not know that person? No clues. Yeah, definitely. I'll see with music as well. I'll see with music is a big part of our life we've like, said classes stuff before mm. um, what I find now when I listen to music to try and find new tunes it's so much harder than it was back yeah. then like literally any other, every other tune back when we started doing spinner stuff you could use it Yeah, that'd be like yeah I could use that for so fast now it's like 
Yeah. Nah. Don't have any good tunes to come out anymore. Nah, because they're chatting shit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I can't play that. The beat, yeah. Again, we listen to the beat. Yeah. In musical art, still doing that. Yeah, everything's all rhythm. In the background, I can hear the beat. I think that's class. No, yeah, it's crap. Like, it's not really strong songs, no. On that note, though, as well, which is crazy, I won't play Michael Jackson in a in a spin class because I don't want to share it with anyone. Yeah. That's mine. And regardless of what, how he's judged or whatever, that's my time. So I like to play that there. If I play a tune, so Sigma Rude Boy or, um, so I don't know, whatever tracks I use, I don't listen to them in my own time because I hear them so much in the spin class. Mm. So it's a bit weird that actually the songs that I play in spin, I don't actually listen to in life, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But when I recognise an amazing song, um, I'm like, wow, that's got meaning, that's got rhythm, that's got everything I need in a class. I will rinse the living shit out of it, you know, like yeah. all the time. But when, when it's so good that I play it that often, I don't actually listen to it then. Yeah, you can't get bored of it, yeah. Yeah, and everyone sends me videos of them dancing to it or they hear it in the car and they send me a little Snapchat of it or, you know, it's one of them things where people get so drawn to the music that I play and have a connection with it, but I have no connection to it at all. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Yeah. I know, I know, I use like, even some, I use some songs, especially one of the top charts or like that, actually hear all the time after a biggest boy. And then when you start teaching it, then you're like, oh, it's boring now. Yeah. I can't ask this song mm. anymore. But then there's certain things that make me think of that you. Like, so yeah, yeah. if I was to like hear a Pitbull song, yeah, yeah. I go, that's Luke's been class. <laughs> Doesn't mean you play Pitbull around the house 24 7, but anytime I hear Pitbull, anytime, I instantly think of your spin class. You know why? It's just an example of him. Because it's not very often you find a bad people song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same with artists. Yeah. yeah. Where there's always saying just now. You couldn't. You could pick a good song now, but say, do you know what? That artist released like four or five good songs. They probably haven't. Mm. They put at least one, maybe yeah. two. Yeah. Whereas back when we did it, like oh, that one person released that many good songs. Yeah. If you have to choose which one to yeah. use, you know what I mean? Yeah. Again, like it's a sandwich. It's mm. it's got madness. Yeah. Fair, but. Um, I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of tangents. Um, so we talk about like the fitness injury and stuff. Obviously, you're running another club at the moment. Um, yeah. You work at Belfry now, don't you? Yeah. Um, what's it like running it now? How is it since you've been back after lockdown? Oh, God. I'm going to start at the start with Belfry because it's a beast in itself. <laughs> and I hope... No one listens to this one, Belfry. <laughs> so basically, going from village to Belfry, the same owners have owned both companies, and yeah. it's one company that owns both. So previously it was Devere. Yeah. You had Devere Belfry, Devere Village. Then it went to, um, then it went through to Quinn. So Belfry broke off from Village. Then KSL, who owns Village, brought Belfry back. So it's when I went from village doing my own little thing in between to then going to Belfry, it's almost like I went home because it was like going back, but without going back to the village. So I was at village, but without going to village. Um, I've got to say, I walked in there and I was like, what the fuck? And you know, you, you sometimes, and I don't know if, I don't know how you would feel now, but if you got offered a job at the village now, would you take it? Oh, not, man. I don't know. So I would have always said yes. Like mm. I was desperate to go back as leisure club manager. And I think I probably always struggled with 
other leisure club managers at Village Warsaw because I felt like they took my role. And I mean, that's a story in itself. But ultimately, when you when I went back to Village slash Belfry as this leisure club manager, I had a certain way in my head that I was going to run it. And it was basically the concept of how I run Village Warsaw, yeah. which was pretty strict. Mm-hmm. It was pretty um, consistent, strict, bit sporadic, bit random, bit aggressive, bit hungry. Um, but I got there and it managed me. It was just, the place was just complete chaos because it's so big and it didn't feel like I was in a fitness club. It didn't feel like I was in a in a health club. It was just... I don't know, it's just everything that I, I ever imagined I wouldn't be managing. It was terrible. So um, the staff was, you know, uh, yeah, kind of a mixture of every, everything. Uh, the place was just spa orientated and hospitality orientated. It wasn't fitness orientated. So I got there, I implemented online booking systems. I implemented um, a bigger studio kind of for for cycling, for studio cycling. I increased the timetable, I changed um, capacity levels, moved the gym around. And then from that then, lockdown happened. So I was in this full flow of developing this like club and bringing it back to being something which was gonna be amazing. And then bang, lockdown. And it just changed everything. It just changed everything. I think we've lost in the effects of lockdown, man, the fitness industry. Like, obviously, I work in the public sector. That's one reason I say I probably will take another job at the village, I don't know. Um, it's totally different for us, but in a way, it's the same because we've all had the same effects. Obviously, a lot of gyms closed down, mm. which it's also still in the industry's good, in a way, with bad, obviously, for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had to accommodate for that. Um, it's, it's hard because people are still aren't coming back. You've probably seen the same. Some people are still reluctant a bit to come back. Yeah. Um, no, but obviously we still got targets and stuff to it, and we still got to get more people in. That's the idea. Get mm-hmm. more people in the club. You know what I mean? It's I don't know. Well, people, because there's still people who are on about still training time, which is fair enough. Yeah. Obviously, they've kind of built that last few months, and they mm-hmm. want to train time, which do it if you want to. But then you still got people who want to come back, but they're still be reluctant. I mean, I said to somebody earlier that thing of having three months in the gym and we had to lock down, then another three months in the gym locked down again. Yeah. And you know what, some people are just pissed off with it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do it again. Yeah. And one chapter to the other day, so if it locked down again, I probably won't come back. Mm-hmm. And that's worrying, man. That's yeah. really worrying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back after this third lockdown. I didn't stop working on the third lockdown. So I worked from January all the way through. So I put new lighting in place. I, I added what, what I would call added value to the membership because they were still paying a lot of money to be a, a member of the Belfry Leisure Club, it's a four-star hotel, it's very exclusive, very celebrity orientated. Um, and I needed to give them a reason to come back. And that reason was the team, the group fitness, the environment, and putting it back into their lifestyle. So capacity numbers have gone from being crazy numbers to almost a quarter. Um, there was, um, the fact that it was all online booking, mm-hmm. that people didn't like that. You know, these some of the members have been there for 35 years and they would just want to turn up and just go and see their friends and go for a swim and go to the gym when they want. And ultimately then you, you're asking them to conform, to conform in a safe way, but also in a very 
kind of non-natural way. Mm. So you're saying to them, you know, you've got to turn up at that time, you've got to leave at that time, you've got to be in the pool by that time, you've got to go in the gym at that time. And they just want to come in, they just want to like see everybody and and do a little bit of activity, you know. So it had a, neg- a negative effect in that sense. But ultimately our membership has just like tripled from having like a consistent two, four, six sales a day to going, yesterday we did 12, the day before we did, no, yesterday we did 10, the day before we did 12, some days we did like 20 sales, so that's unheard of for Belfry, it's a very consistent club with like not many levers, and it's just gone through the roof, but all these people seem to be new people, and the old people either have stuck with us or not come back, which I think is a real shame, because they was the the soul of the Belfry and what made it and they've been through a lot there and to not come back is, is a big thing and when I'm talking to them they just don't want to use the booking system they want to speak to people they want to turn up when they want they want to be able to I fancy a dip I'm going to go for a swim um I now share my booking system with the hotel and with spa so I've only got a limited amount of numbers that actually as a gym user yeah so I can only have, I don't know, say 10 people in the pool at any one time, which is a membership. 10 people from hotel and 10 people from the spa. So the the chances of you getting in for a swim now is next to nothing. But when you do get in for a swim, it's super safe. When you go to the spa, the chance of you getting in is minimal, but it's super safe. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the catch 22. Do we increase the numbers and not be safe? and then have people get ill? Or do we keep the numbers strict, piss everybody off, but ultimately look after their well-being? So, yeah. Again, it's another generation thing, and it, with the, uh, the booking system and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, the old generation prefer face-to-face booking over the phone, um, book when they come in, whatever, whereas the young generation, like, yeah. I can go on an app and book more training. I mean, I went to Pugie for a few sessions, and I know they changed theirs to where you've got the QR code on your phone and you scan it. Yeah. Great. I was mm. walking and scan it in and I'm Yeah. But like the old generation wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. Like my mum and dad wouldn't have a clue to that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. But it's a real shame because, I mean, I've got, like I said, I've got members there that have been there for 35 years or whatever. And they want to do classes. They want to do, I don't know whether it's Pilates or body balance or. And they can't get into the class because the people who are on the app at 6 8 in the morning bang it's full seconds it's full and they're coming in saying i can't get on the class i've phoned you up but we've got because we've got people queuing up at 6 30 you know it was like a yeah, village yeah. you know i've got a spin class at 6 30 so ultimately everyone's queuing up to book in or to get on that class so then people in front come first the phone comes second and the app does its own thing but by 6 30 on the dot within a minute the classes are full and people are saying to me Chris why are you making me go up at quarter past six in the morning I'm like I'm not the booking system is because the club opens at 6.30 everyone has got to have the equal right to be able to book at 6.30 so if someone stood in front of us booking just because they're there in person they have the same chances as someone on the booking system or someone phoning so it's just trying to be fair all the time but I have to take you into consideration and another 3,000 people into consideration and it's so hard to to please everybody and I, you know these you know these more mature ladies and more mature men and just 
not that they can't use the app because I think they would actually be able to use the app, but it's you're asking them to change their whole life and to accept something that ultimately, if you're 85 or 90, why do you need an app? Yeah. Why do you need, you know, but at the end of the day, if you want to do a Pilates class or something which helps your well-being and you can't get on, but you're paying actually an exclusive membership price, you want to get on that class, but unfortunately technologies. Do you think with the possibly booking system and things got the moment, do you reckon they'll stay after hopefully all this server? I want it to stay in the sense that it gives our business um, an insight of what the day looks like. Whereas if we didn't have it, it would just become a free for all. Yeah. But ultimately, take the fitness, take are we gonna do a booking system moving forward? How is everything else gonna move forward? So like going into a restaurant, going into a cinema, going into surely we're gonna all as a as a universe gonna do things differently. I think I personally think the booking, even at pub and stuff, I think you'll have to book and stuff. I read it. Because it's staying. Same as face masks. I, I can imagine face masks staying at oh, some man. places. Like, I think oh. hospitals, which I think they should anyway. Hospitals, I think they'll stay. Yeah. So if you just A&E or whatever like that. Yeah, but that's that's going to prevent lots. Not just COVID, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that, cause that's it's, a, a massive prevention. Oh, yeah, germs. At the end of the day, like yeah. colds. have probably gone down this year because we haven't had as many colds. Because yeah. we've all masks and stuff like that. But... I don't know, nobody knows at the end of the day. It's no. going to be uh, one of the things. Talking about COVID, actually, uh, have you got any holidays booked? or? Uh, I had New York booked twice. Uh, so that would have been my 20th and 21st time. Got cancelled twice. So I've played it safe and I've booked um, Florida for November. Do you feel safe going over there, November? I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know yet. You know what? I just want to keep things normal for my daughter. I just want to keep things as normal as possible for her. She understands she's going to be six uh, next week or the week after. Um, and I just want to keep her childhood like a childhood as mm. opposed to seeing all these people walking around in masks. And, and she gets it. She understands it. But I just think as long as we can, as for as long as we can, we should protect their childhood, really. I think that's a big key part because children have grown up so quick now, yeah. like way, way too quick. So I just want to have them experiences with that. Um, I mean, she's been to Florida probably a, a couple of times where she's done Disney. And every time I come back thinking, is she going to remember that? So this is the last time now. She better remember it. <laughs> we ain't going back again. Uh, again, like, I know a lot of people look at, like we said before about the gyms being there. Some people look at holidays as their like kind of, um, I don't know if it's like they're out there, but like something to look forward to. Mm, definitely. Obviously, like, what, for over a year now? You've yeah. been able to. So it must be very like disheartening to people and kind of, not depressing, but like, I'm sad that they can't do it. You know what I mean? For me, holidays does two things. One, it engages me in fitness and once I want to get on it before I go. Yeah. I train a lot when I'm away, so I always go to like your New Yorks and when I'm there, I'll go to like loads of different gyms. I'm a big fan of Soul Cycle. Um so I'll go to all these places. I still lots of ideas when I get back to the UK. Um if I go to um Vegas, again I do lots of fitness there, whether it's CrossFit or whatever. And then Florida's a totally different kettle of fish for me, so it's a bit more of a chilled one. Yeah. So I always find a hotel that's got a gym and we work out every day, but ultimately I've enjoyed not having the holidays because holidays also include, for me, a lot of stress financially because I have to 
I have to work extra hours to get the money. I mean, I'm talking four or five grand. You know, it's not like a little Spain trip. It's 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 saving for the holiday, paying for the holiday. But then you've got to find your spending money. You've got to hire a car. When you get there, you always want a little bit more, so you end up paying for more. And it's just the um, the stress of actually saving for a holiday. And my wife will back me up where I get psoriasis in my head when I get stressed. So just before we pay for the holiday, my psoriasis is always really, really bad. And I'm like scratching, I'm bleeding, I've got snowflakes everywhere. And as soon as it's paid, it all stops. And then a day before we go, my psoriasis is back again. So it's this whole emotional roller coaster for me when it comes to holidays. Because for me, it's about creating memories, so I'm happy to pay, you know, whatever. But ultimately, I think some people have to review do we need that financial stress mm. of going on holiday? Whereas I'm happy with something like a Butlins. We've been to Butlins last year, and it was absolutely amazing. I'd love to do a little log cabin, I think, in, in the UK somewhere. I'd love to do a caravan holiday and just reinvesting back into the UK for a year. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's ultimately. But then, say so that, I looked at Butlins the other day for uh, two weekends, um, so in, in June. I looked at that, and it was like £750. I know I can take me and my wife to New York for £750. Yeah. Oh, she's going to really, everyone's going to take more over here, so she's going to go up. Because you're in the demand. So they're like, is that fair? No, of course not. Is that fair? Of course not. Why not? Why not? Keep it at the normal price that it would have been in 2019. Mm. Give people an amazing experience to then want to come back. Yeah, Rather than preventing from going in the first place. Because you probably don't know where good Butlins is. Mm. Because you've never been. You might look at it this year and think, oh yeah, wow, I'll do that. £800. Nah, I won't go. Whereas if it was £250, which it normally is, you'd go there, have a great time and think, you know what, we'll do that once a year. And that's another family that they've got. Whereas now they're just, everyone's put everyone off doing it. My friend's got, um, my friend's just got an apartment in, he's got three daughters and they've all got grandchildren now. Um, and so they normally do a family trip to Spain. This year they've booked somewhere, I want to say it is Plymouth. And it's cost them five grand for a week for an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah, Absolutely it's, mad. Yeah, but they know they can. Well, yeah, of course. And obviously, like, well, he's really anxious like, you get before you go kind of thing. And obviously, every people will be like, no, not we just your normal anxious about travelling. Mm. But you can be anxious about, like, am I going to be able to come back? Yeah. Am I going to have to be stuck somewhere for two weeks? Yeah. Um, what about if they cancel? Do I get money back? And, mate, it's at the There's base. a lot. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Oh, so that's a big thing. I mean, like, if you cancel, you lose your money. If they cancel, you don't. Yeah. And it's like, what do I do? And obviously, mm. red list, green list stuff now. It's like, so if I do go, I don't have to quarantine when I get back unless things change, I get stuck. And, no, it's, it's madness at the moment. It's a minefield. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. So we'll see what happens in November. <laughs> Either well, way. Hopefully you get to go away, mate. Um, right, what's, what's next for Christmas then? What's, what have you got planned next? Oh, man, or... I don't know. I genuinely, I'm at a stage in life where... I, I don't know what to do because I'm enjoying management at Belfry. How long can you be a legislative manager for? What's your expiry date? So I'm 37, coming up to 38. So at what point can you, have you reached expiry to be a legislative manager or to teach spin classes or to be a personal trainer? 
and I think I am a young 37, sometimes a little bit too young and immature, but ultimately, is there an expiry date on my, on my job? You know, so where do I go from there? What do I do? I, I look on Indeed all the time. I, I like just exploring and having a little look. Um, I think maybe equipment sales again, which I did previously, um, and maybe a field sales role. My dream job would probably be Peloton. Um, absolutely love everything about Peloton. So that'd be amazing to do. But I think as long as it involves um, making people happy and delivering a good service and, and ultimately, I don't just, yeah, just making people happy and enjoying what they do and me enjoying what I do. I don't really care what it is really. I'd love to get into like a, I still love property. I still love renovations and you know, buy to lets and doing all these little crazy things, but ultimately they're just little sidelines, mm -hmm. which I have lots of sidelines, which I have to have lots of sidelines to be able to do what I do. Um, but yeah, I, I, the answer to that is I genuinely, I don't know. Sometimes what? you have to see what happens, don't you? And just go with it and, I don't know, maybe a door, a door opens when you least expect it, I guess, sometimes. And yeah, yeah. Someone comes along and... I think what's mad is, like I look at other 37 year olds and what they're doing, and they're just too stable for me. They're just too stable. They do a job. They go and do the job. And then they go home. And they wake up. And they go and do a job. And they go home. And I think if they're happy doing that, fair play. You know, but for me, I just always want more. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing at 37, but I don't know. But if you, since lockdown, if it's changed for you, but for me, the thought of going and doing like a six, seven, eight hour shift. It does matter. <laughs> I think life has changed during COVID, people's mentality. So like now, people are so quick to, like everyone's all considered what they're doing in life. Everyone has had that moment. I don't care who they are. If they say they haven't, they're lying. Everybody's looked back at themselves and, and had a bit of a, a reflection moment where they're like, what am I doing? Who am I? What am I about? Where am I going? What's my future? And so many people have like left Belfry or left the industry or gone off to try new things. And I think that's everywhere across the board. Um, but ultimately, we've we've also got new people that have come on board that's refreshed Belfry and kind of refreshed me in a way. Um, but yeah, it's 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 mad to think people have gone off and tried different things, haven't they? And and done. What's it been like at your work? Is it? Uh, people leaving or what? It's not been too bad. Suddenly, obviously, like, the maybe the younger uh, generation have, especially young people who work there. Mm. Um, but it's in public sector for me. It's, it's actually a lot secure. Mm. It's counselling. I mean, yeah. like, we're very lucky. We got paid the whole way through and stuff like that. So it's very secure. And I'm glad I was put myself in that position, not only for my family, but like for myself as well. Like, imagine if you didn't have that. Imagine like the certain countries that is locked down. Tough yeah. shit. Go and lock yourself in the house and stay there for yeah. like six months. That's what I mean. And like, obviously we do other things like personal training, teach class as well and stuff on the side and extra. So we're looking that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely in the industry, I think lots of people have come and gone. And obviously now a lot of people lost their jobs doing other things. I think a lot of people will come into fitness as like an easy thing to try and do. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Luxie qualifying 12 weeks and you can say you're a personal trainer easily. It's yeah. easy, isn't it? And this is where the loudest people come and go again because 
it's not as easy looks mm. errors and errors of work and but it's just that thing now for me of sitting behind a desk or sitting at a job for eight errors and like so I did nine errors so when you say eight errors that, that sounds like the dream I should like, do seven or seven and a half that's, so, uh, that's even worse <laughs> for me so I do nine nine errors I do a class before it so I'm normally there so it's an error travel then I do a class before shower I get changed for work so I start work at eight I get up at five work from eight until probably five thirty six come on I do PT maybe two sessions then I finish about eight I have food and bed <laughs> wake up at five so yeah so I think my working day is probably um it is about it's about 12 hours yeah so that's definitely been considered during that day like what am I doing it's um oh, it, it's just like I said being stuck in for lockdown in, in a good way I could do kind of what I wanted when I wanted to mm-hmm. I was restricted to a time because literally all day every day was nothing man life was good um, lockdown life was good like, I could eat when I wanted to mm-hmm. everything. and now I'm back at work it's like I can't eat when I want to and I've got to stay there if that near is it's like sake like you know what I mean yeah see I'm lucky at Belfry I get to do all that still I'm quite flexible and like obviously I can do quite a lot of work and stuff and like I can get my own stuff doing like my PT and stuff like that but it's actually just being stuck there you know what I mean mm. like it's a weird today we're chatting like and that and it's great because I'm off today and I can do it but another day it's like oh, I can be so much more productive yeah. if I wasn't at work and that's my biggest thing is being productive every day so yeah. I, would, I may have said this back in the day at, at, at Village is that every day I need to find something to do to make that day different. So either doing something different that day or doing something that's going to make a difference. So every single day I walk into work and I change something. And I know that's crazy, but it might be just changing some posters. It might be changing the booking system. It might be changing the layout on the shop display. It might be changing the way we do classes or it might be changing the timetable. But everything's always got to have a better impact. So today, woke up, I done PT this morning. Um, then I went and I emptied my shed. I went to the dump, dropped some rubbish off. Uh, and was cleaning the kitchen. We went for breakfast. As soon as I get home, I go and mow the lawn. Uh, then I've got PT after that. Then I'll do something in between. And then I've got spin class. And then when I get back home, um, I'm doing like invoices and stuff like that. And then we all, I'm always trying to change something for the better. So every single day, if I can do one thing that's a little bit better. So, oh yeah, so today, super, super excited. I put a new bench in my gym. So I had a Techno Gym. I moved into like a Techno Gym bench. Um, so it's the strength range, the big black one. Man, buzzing, absolutely buzzing. So that's my big change for today. So I took my old bench out. It's on Facebook if anyone wants to buy it. Uh, and uh, I put a new put a new bench in today so that's my little change for today and my rubbish and my I'll start writing lists on it so like I've got a list for that day and stuff I need to do like even if it was do something to a website that's a launch that or something like even the podcast stuff like mm-hmm. I don't know uh, even just trying to like try and get out there so people obviously more people listen and stuff or whatever it's just like even stuff like I'm trying to get like a, a new start a custom start point and stuff like that and I mean, if I write a list and try and get all that done that day, yeah. I feel productive that day. Even if I was stuck at work, I could still get it done. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, so yeah, I just feel yeah. more productive if I'm not there. You know I mean? have to have but, a list at work, otherwise I just go off on a tangent like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely, definitely. Um, so, if people want to find you, 
on social media or anything like that? Where oh, can I find you? Nah, don't find me. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, I suppose it's going to be your Instagram. So I'm still Chris Evo Smith. So Chris E V O and then Smith. Um, Facebook would just be Chris Smith. Good luck with finding me on there because it's like <laughs> there's about 50 million Chris Smiths. Um, and that's it, really. Twitter. I'm old school Twitter. I've still find you the Belfry if they want to come. And... Yeah, everyone wants to come to the Belfry constantly. <laughs> my, <laughs> my phone's constantly going, people, can you sort me out of Spa Day? Um, which means I've gained more friends than everyone wants a discount on Spa Days. Um, but ultimately, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Well, we upload on this today, so I hope you all can listen. Uh, we've gone through a few good points there and a few tangents, so it's been good to catch up. Cheers. Thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.